Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Serta, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CertaIreland.ie. Nova Scotia is Canada's second smallest province and the furthest to the south. The name Nova Scotia is Latin for New Scotland, and Cape Breton Island is one of the only places in North America where people still speak Gaelic. 50,000 tons of lobster are pulled from the area waters every year, and you can follow the Lobster Trail where you'll find over 40 restaurants serving lobster in every way imaginable. Gabriel Wartman was a dysfunctional man who couldn't control his anger. After a lifetime of hatred and violence against everyone he met, he went on a rampage where he killed people he knew as well as random strangers. This is Monsters. At 11.32 p.m. on April 18, 2020, the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, in Nova Scotia sent a tweet that read, Hashtag RCMPNS is responding to a firearms complaint in the hashtag Portapique area, Portapique Beach Road, Bayshore Road, and Five Houses Road. 
The public is asked to avoid the area and stay in their homes with doors locked at this time. This information was not released anywhere else, and to the people who did see it, many believed it was a situation happening in a single location. The wording of quote-unquote firearms complaint made the issue seem much less serious than it was. The tweet didn't state that there were any casualties or that the danger had spread anywhere outside of the Porta Peak area. By the following morning, residents in the area felt safe leaving their houses and traveling to areas outside of Porta Peak. 33-year-old Kristen Beaton was a healthcare worker who worked with various patients in their homes. Kristen was dedicated to her patients and figured it would be safe to travel out of Belmont, about 30 minutes east of Porta Peak, to her patient's home in DeBert. According to the only information the RCMP had released to the public, she believed she would be safe. But that tweet was far from an accurate account of what was happening in the towns around the Bay of Fundy in Nova Scotia on April 18, 2020. The RCMP had received the first 911 call just after 10 p.m. to report gunshots. Within those initial calls, Jamie Blair reported that her husband had been shot before she was shot and killed while on the phone with the operator. At 10.20 p.m., an area resident and his wife noticed flames rising above the tree line in their neighborhood and drove down the road to get a closer look. As they passed by the home of Frank and Don Gulinchen, they saw an RCMP vehicle parked outside, but there was nobody in it. They called 911 as they got to Gabriel Wartman's warehouse, which was fully engulfed. They reported the fire and also notified them that there was already an RCMP vehicle there. While the operator was connecting them to the fire department, they drove back up the road and saw that somebody was back in the police vehicle now. They also noticed that Frank and Don's house was just starting to go up in flames. While the residents were still on the phone with 911, the RCMP vehicle pulled up next to them and the resident rolled down his window to talk to what he assumed was a police officer. Suddenly, he saw his neighbor Gabriel with a gun and he started shooting into their car. The resident had a bullet graze his forehead and another go through his shoulder, but he was able to speed away. He would later say that Gabriel's gun had a laser sight on it and that's the only reason he saw it and ducked. Now, 911 operators had been on the line with two people as they were shot in the same area. The first RCMP officer, a real one, Constable Stuart Basselt, arrived on the scene at 1026 and the resident told him that his neighbor Gabe had shot him. He explained that he was dressed as a Mountie and driving a replica RCMP vehicle. He said that he had known Gabriel had multiple used police vehicles, but they had never been tagged before, meaning they didn't have an identification number on them. It looked as though Gabriel had recently added them to make it look like he was a real officer. Constable Basselt radioed dispatch with the details that he had received. Then, at 10.35, another neighbor reported to the police that they saw the vehicle in question leaving the area through a field. At this point, the RCMP knew who the perpetrator was, that he was posing as a police officer, and that he had likely left the area. As the police searched the area, they found 13 people dead over seven different locations. Gabriel Wartman's warehouse and home were on fire, as well as the homes of three of the victims. The emergency response team eventually arrived, though it took an hour and a half since they had to come from Halifax. They went around the neighborhood knocking on doors, asking people to evacuate. Randomly. Some people said they slept through the entire ordeal and had no idea what was going on the next morning, but nobody did. After that one tweet that was sent out by the RCMP at 11.32pm notifying the residents of a firearms complaint, 
the RCMP wouldn't update the community for over eight hours. Gabriel Wartman was born on July 5, 1968, in Hamilton, Ontario, to Paul and Evelyn Wartman. The parents left Gabriel with his grandparents and moved to Fitchburg, Michigan in the United States, where they had a second child. They put this child up for adoption and never told Gabriel about it. It's reported that he didn't learn about the adoption until he was 40. Gabriel's grandfather was known to be physically abusive, so much so that one of his own sons stabbed him in the chest once, earning him a short prison sentence. Eventually, Paul and Evelyn retrieved Gabriel and moved with him to Cleveland, Ohio, before moving somewhere near Phoenix, Arizona. After a few years, they moved back to Canada, settling near Moncton in New Brunswick. As a child, Gabriel wasn't into sports, he was more interested in riding his bike. His father said that he ignored his toys in favor of working on his bike. The stories from Paul Wartman did not show the whole picture, though. Chris Wartman, Gabriel's uncle, who was only seven years older than his nephew, told police that the Wartman house was very dysfunctional. When Gabriel was seven years old, his father handed him a twenty-two caliber gun and told him, shoot me. Gabriel didn't shoot him that time. His uncle described that when he was an adult, he had plans to kill his parents, which he never carried out. After high school, Gabriel enrolled in the University of New Brunswick and lived in an all-male dorm with about a hundred residents. People who knew him at the time said he didn't have a single friend in the entire dorm. After graduating from university, Gabriel worked as a mortician for a while before becoming a denturist. Eventually, he opened two denture clinics, one in Halifax and one in Dartmouth. From 1996 to 2001, Gabriel lived with a wife at a nice home in Dartmouth. At the same time, Lisa Banfield lived nearby with her husband. At some point in 2001, Gabriel and Lisa met each other, fell in love, divorced their spouses, and moved into an apartment above Gabriel's Dartmouth Clinic. They would never marry, but would stay together for nearly 20 years. In the fall of 2001, Gabriel assaulted a 15-year-old boy outside his Dartmouth Clinic. The boy was standing outside at a bus stop when a drunk Gabriel came out of his business and threatened him. He started punching the teen before a friend showed up with a crowbar and hit the boy in the head. They both proceeded to stomp on the boy's head and chest before a woman yelled at them to knock it off and the friend ran away. The boy ended up being hospitalized. Gabriel pleaded guilty to assault and was given a conditional discharge plus nine months of probation in January of 2002. The friend was never identified. He was involved in a civil lawsuit in 2004 when he quote-unquote helped a friend who was about to lose his house. He lent the friend money, quietly took ownership of the house, evicted the friend, and then sold the house for a small profit. In 2010, he was investigated for threatening his parents. His father told police that Gabriel had illegal guns, but they didn't take the father's claim seriously. In 2011, police in Truro received a tip that Gabriel had many illegal guns in his cabin in Port-a-Peak and that he was developing mental health issues. The person said that Gabriel had told people he wanted to kill a cop. The RCMP interviewed Gabriel but took no further action. In 2013, Gabriel met neighbors who were ex-military and he showed them all of his illegal guns and asked if they could get him more, to which they said no. Then they reported it to the RCMP, along with info that he was physically abusing his girlfriend. The RCMP did nothing. Gabriel developed an obsession with police memorabilia and over the years had purchased four used police vehicles, as well as parts online to fix them up into working condition. Many neighbors knew he had them, and two of them were parked behind one of his denture clinics for a while. 
He hadn't been hiding them, and people also said they had previously seen Gabriel dressed up in a police uniform as some form of cosplay. Sometime in 2020, Gabriel had perfected his police uniform and added a numbered decal to one of his used police vehicles. On April 18, 2020, Clinton and Corey Ellison had come to Porta Peak to visit their dad. They spent the day visiting, and by 10 p.m., their dad had gone to bed and the brothers were just hanging out talking when they heard gunshots. In a rural area, it wasn't entirely unusual, so they shrugged it off, but after a few minutes they went outside and could see the glow of what had to be a large fire. Corey ran off in that direction and eventually called Clinton, telling him that Gabriel Wartman's large warehouse was on fire. Gabriel owned multiple properties in the community and one of them was just a large warehouse where he would work on motorcycles. When Corey didn't return, Clinton went looking for him and as he got closer to Wartman's property, he saw a body laying on the side of the road. As he crept closer, he saw it was Corey. He was lying in a pool of blood. Then Clinton saw a flashlight and ran as fast as he could into the woods. Once he found a place he thought was safe, he called his dad and told him to call the police. He said not to turn on the lights and to find somewhere to hide. Greg Blair lived next to Gabriel with his wife Jamie and two sons. Like many of the area residents, they saw Gabriel as an eccentric who was obsessed with guns. He was known in the area to have a temper and would easily get into arguments with his neighbors. The Blairs had some friends over for dinner and shortly after they left, Gabriel approached Greg who was outside of the house. The rest of the family was in the house and they heard the two men exchange words before Greg yelled, What the fuck are you doing with a gun? When shots rang out, the kids ran into a bedroom and hid behind the bed. Jamie closed the door and pushed her back against it as she called 911. Gabriel entered the house and shot her right through the door while she was on the phone with the operator. He fired more rounds through the door, one just barely missing one of the boys. When the shooting stopped, the boys hid in a closet. Gabriel had gone into the living room and pulled logs out of the fire and scattered them around the house, and then he turned the propane range on. After he left, one of the boys crept out of the closet and saw the fire, so he grabbed his brother and they ran through the woods to the house next to theirs. This was the home of 49-year-old Lisa McCauley, a teacher with two kids. Lisa brought the boys inside and had them hide in the basement with her own kids. When she went back outside, she saw what she believed was an RCMP officer, so she went toward him to find out if they should evacuate. Gabriel shot and killed Lisa. We'll be right back. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions, so you don't have to. During the pandemic, we subscribed to all sorts of different streaming services. And now that we're out of the house more, we can cancel a bunch of them, and Truebill helps make sure I don't forget any. I use Truebill, and you should too. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com forward slash thisismonsters. Go right now, Truebill.com forward slash thisismonsters. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com forward slash thisismonsters. There's no known timeline for the attacks that happened in Porta Peak. We know when a few murders happened based on 911 calls, but some of them are unknown. 
At some point, Gabriel went to the home of 70-year-old John Zoll and 59-year-old Joanne Thomas and killed them before setting their house on fire. The Gulinchins lived north of the Blairs. 62-year-old Frank and 61-year-old Don had purchased the home in 2001, and Frank had spent eight years renovating it. Gabriel shot both of them and set the house on fire. He must have been inside the house when the neighbor and his wife drove to investigate the fire at Gabriel's warehouse. As they drove back by, Gabriel was back in his replica RCMP vehicle and tried to kill them. He then continued south, and at this point, he could have gone down a dirt road that served as a backway out of the neighborhood and left the area, but he didn't. He went into a different part of the neighborhood and confronted Aaron Tuck, a man he had been feuding with. Aaron had inherited that property from his father and was slowly fixing it up. Gabriel wanted to add more waterfront property to his portfolio and offered to purchase the property from Aaron for an insulting amount of money, $18,000. After Aaron turned down the offer, neighbors said that Gabriel was aggressive toward him. Without knowing about Gabriel's relationship with some of his victims, it would look like his rampage was random, but many of his victims seemed to be based on petty revenge. Some of them were completely random. Aaron was at home with his girlfriend, Jolene Oliver, and their 17-year-old daughter, Emily Tuck. It looked as though the family had been together in the living room when Gabriel came in and killed them all. On Gabriel's way out of the neighborhood, he stopped at the home of 75-year-old Peter Bond and his 71-year-old wife, Joy. Joy was shot as she answered the door, and then Peter was shot behind her. Then Gabriel drove down the dirt road next to a blueberry field and out of the area. The police had arrived on the scene at that point, but they only knew about the main roads into the neighborhood. Gabriel drove out the back way and headed east to the town of DeBert. There, he parked in an industrial area and rested. It's unknown if he slept or not, but he was there for about six hours. The RCMP sent out a single, vague tweet at 11.32 p.m. and then went silent. When the media asked questions later, they either gave vague responses or refused to answer altogether. They described some of the actions taken that evening, but without ever really revealing a timeline. Other people had to piece together a timeline from witnesses and 911 calls. Most people believe that the RCMP had far fewer officers on the scene than they claimed afterward. It was revealed that the RCMP claimed to have far more officers on the scene initially than they really did. It was later confirmed that the RCMP thought that Gabriel only had three replica vehicles. So when they found all three, they assumed that he had killed himself, so they sent many of the officers home. With fewer officers on the scene, it makes more sense why the four children hiding in Lisa McCauley's basement would wait for two hours before being rescued. Clinton Ellison hid in the woods for four hours before being rescued. Despite being told that Gabriel had left the area, the RCMP put countless people's lives at risk based on an assumption. At about 5.45 a.m., Gabriel left the industrial area and drove north on Highway 4 toward Wentworth. He arrived at the home of Sean McLeod and Alana Jenkins, two corrections officers that he was friends with. Gabriel killed both of them and their two dogs before spending about two and a half hours in their house. Sean's brother said that he had a lot of guns in the house and they were in secret hiding places, so some people suspect that Gabriel was looking for weapons and ammunition. When Gabriel was finished, he set the house on fire and left. A few minutes later, when neighbor Tom Bagley came to investigate, he was also shot and killed. Neighbors had heard gunshots earlier, but when they saw the house on fire, they called 911. Those calls came in at around 8 a.m., 
By this time, Gabriel's girlfriend, Lisa Banfield, ran to the home of Leon Jowdry and knocked on the door at about 6.30 in the morning. He said he quickly opened the door, pulled her inside, and locked the door again. She explained that the previous evening, Gabriel had attacked her, assaulted her, and restrained her. She managed to get away from him and ran into the woods where she hid all night. When she talked to the police, she told them that he had another replica vehicle, a full uniform, and multiple pistols and rifles. Despite learning this at 6.30 a.m., they didn't update the public about the situation till 8.02 a.m., where they sent out another tweet, this time saying that there was an active shooter, but they still said he was in Porta Peak, despite him having left the area almost 10 hours before that. They sent out another tweet at 8.54, identifying Gabriel Wartman as the shooter and saying there were multiple victims. They warned the public that he was armed and dangerous and not to approach him, but they still only listed Porta Peak as the location. As Gabriel drove back south on Highway 4, he saw a woman, Lillian Campbell, who was out for a morning walk, and killed her. On the morning of April 19th, Kristen Beaton was scheduled to care for a patient in Tibert, about 10 minutes away. Based on the information that had been released by the RCMP, there was no reason not to go to work. It was while she was on her way to work that she saw the third tweet by the RCMP at just before 9 a.m. that had Gabriel's physical description. Kristen's husband found a picture of Gabriel on Facebook and sent it to her, just in case. Before Kristen got to her patient's house, she pulled over on the side of the road, likely to review her notes for that patient. Gabriel pulled over by her and approached her car. Not realizing she was in danger, Kristen's guard was down and Gabriel shot and killed her. She had just learned that she was pregnant with her second child. At the same time, 54-year-old Heather O'Brien, coincidentally another home nurse who worked for the same company as Kristen, was coming from a patient's home and was planning to stop for coffee before visiting family. They were upset because they knew the Blairs, who they just found out had died, and she wanted to check on them. She texted her daughter at 9.59 a.m. It read, RCMP shots fired at DeBert. It's believed that she saw Kristen get killed and then Gabriel killed her too. She tried to drive away, but after being hit, her car veered into a ditch. It wasn't until 10.17 that the RCMP sent out a tweet that said Gabriel was dressed as a police officer and was driving a replica vehicle, about 20 minutes too late for Kristen and Heather. The RCMP had failed to set up any roadblocks during the night because as far as they were concerned, Gabriel had committed suicide. After authorities started getting reports of sightings, they dispatched officers to those areas. Constables Chad Morrison and Heidi Stevenson were traveling to meet each other in Shubenacadie. As Constable Morrison saw another police vehicle, he thought it was Stevenson and pulled up beside it. Gabriel opened fire and hit Morrison, but he sped away and ended up surviving his wounds. As Stevenson was approaching, it's believed that she saw Gabriel preparing to shoot at her, so she crashed her car into his. He was able to exit his vehicle and open fire into Stevenson's vehicle, killing her. A passing motorist, 36-year-old Joey Weber, stopped at the accident to see if they needed help. He was unaware that the gunman was posed as an RCMP officer. Gabriel shot and killed him and then stole Constable Stevenson's service weapon, poured gasoline in the trunk of his vehicle, and lit it on fire. He loaded some clothes and weapons into Joey's car and drove away in it. 54-year-old Gina Goulet was a fellow denturist who happened to live nearby. 
It's not known why Gabriel would have targeted her, but some believe it was because she was a competing denturist and he had asked her to work for him, but she turned him down. Gabriel seemed like an extremely petty person and it didn't take much for him to want to exact revenge. He snuck onto her property, broke a window, cutting himself in the process, and shot her German shepherd twice. The dog, named Ginger, survived the shooting. Gina did not. It was there that Gabriel changed his clothes and then left in Gina's car. Gina's car didn't have much fuel in it, so he only made it 21 kilometers before needing to stop to fill the tank. While he was there, an RCMP tactical unit was also there fueling their vehicle. The official story has multiple versions, but it seems as though the RCMP didn't immediately recognize Gabriel, since he had changed clothes and was driving a different vehicle. When the officers realized who it was, Gabriel was shot and killed. Over the course of 13 hours, Gabriel Wartman killed 22 people and destroyed multiple houses and cars with fire. People in the area were and are still looking for answers from the RCMP as to why they waited so long to respond with more officers. The first officer arrived at 10.26pm and two other officers arrived shortly after. They were the only officers on the scene for an hour and a half. Questions remain as to why they made no effort to block highways which would have stopped him from getting into other towns. We know that they made the random assumption that he had committed suicide, despite a witness reporting that he saw the fake vehicle leaving the area using a back road. The nearby town of Truro offered their police for assistance, but was turned down by the RCMP. Instead, they called in other RCMP officers from over an hour and a half away. People questioned why the tweets were lacking information that the police had at the time. The RCMP lied at a press conference and said they didn't get the shooter's identity until 6.30 the following morning when Lisa Banfield was interviewed. The resident who was shot in his car identified Gabriel to Constable Stuart Basselt, who repeated the identification to dispatch. But even before that, Gabriel had been identified. A transcript of Jamie Blair's call to 911 at 10.01 p.m. reveals that she told the operator that Gabriel shot her husband and said, quote, There's a police car. It's decked and labeled RCMP, but it's not. It was also revealed that the kids hiding in Lisa McCauley's basement called 911 at 10.16 that evening and also told the operator that Gabriel was driving a police vehicle. Despite that information, they waited nine hours to notify the public of the shooter's identity and 12 hours to notify them that he was posing as an RCMP officer. The RCMP also tried to minimize their failure by claiming that the replica car and uniform didn't contribute to any deaths, but people were approaching him because they felt comfortable with an officer. Lisa McCauley approached him because she thought he was an officer. Kristen Beaton had her guard down because she thought he was an officer. Joey Weber stopped to help who he thought was an officer. People also want to know why the RCMP only released information over Twitter, a social networking app that not everyone uses. Multiple first responders suggested broadcasting an alert over a system called Alert Ready, which would send an emergency alert message to televisions, radios, and mobile phones. Despite those suggestions, the RCMP decided it wasn't necessary. To this day, the victim's loved ones have received no answers as to what happened on April 18th and 19th. The RCMP, possibly trying to keep a lid on an embarrassing performance that led to more lost lives, have remained tight-lipped, revealing only vague details or outright lies. 
I understand that it's impossible for any police force to know exactly what a criminal is doing. You can't anticipate everything. But this seemed like a major fuck-up. It will never be truly known what was going through the head of Gabriel Wartman when he decided to go on a murder spree throughout several quiet communities in Nova Scotia. He was a professional with a successful business, multiple properties, in a long-term relationship. Was he really that upset over petty arguments with neighbors and colleagues, or was there something deeper happening in his psyche that turned him into a monster? It's an answer we'll never get. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can also check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our new merch at Teespring. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe. Hi everyone, this is Jillian with Court Junkie. Court Junkie is a true crime podcast that covers court cases and criminal trials using audio clips and interviews with people close to the cases. Court Junkie is available on Apple Podcasts and podcastone.com. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Life's full of things we can't depend on, like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on. See CERTAIreland.ie